the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Bible, from America's colonial period to her rise to become the richest, most powerful nation in history, the ideas and values that guide us, protect us, and hold our society together flow from the pages of this book of books. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. Our founding documents affirm and build on the scriptural concepts of God-given, not state-granted rights and of liberty under law. The biblical worldview shaped our work ethic, made education a priority, and birthed the notion of finite, limited government under divine authority. One nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. The pilgrims, the Puritans, the founding fathers, and American leaders throughout our history have emphasized the Bible's importance to America. The first and almost the only book worthy of universal attention is the Bible. John Quincy Adams. But for the book, we could not know right from wrong. All the things desirable to man are contained in it. Abraham Lincoln. The foundations of our society and our government rest so much on the teachings of the Bible that it would be difficult to support them if faith in these teachings would cease to be practically universal in our country. Calvin Coolidge. The Bible Live is your opportunity to listen to the Bible, a 15 to 20 minute reading every weeknight, the entire Bible every year. Now, here's the host of the Bible Live, your Apache Indian scout on this annual excursion through the Word, Soapy Dollar. Good evening, everyone. We are back in the saddle here at the Bible Live Broadcast. You've been hearing the readings each evening. Don't want us to miss that, but we've had a couple of days off just to be with the family. Kids back in town, I've enjoyed a great time to be with them in the evenings. It's so fun as a parent to watch the kids come back together. They live apart, and of course we all email and call each other during the year, but this is the time of the year when everyone gets to see each other again and hug, laugh, talk, remember, and catch up on things. It's sure as fun as a parent to watch the kids interact after being apart. We have two boys and a girl, and it's just a lot of fun to watch the brethren and the cistern get together and enjoy one another. As parents, I guess that's one of our great pleasures in life is to watch them grow up. Well, we have changed books, actually. We read the book of Matthew during the time of Christmas, the first book of the New Testament, the birth, life, ministry, the death, resurrection of Jesus, the Messiah. And now we have returned to the Old Testament, to the Hebrew Scriptures. We've picked up there in the book of Numbers. The book of Numbers is not one of those books that just excites everybody or the book of Deuteronomy. Both are interesting. They have their interesting stories, interesting events. They have their place in the biblical history. But they do contain, particularly the book of Numbers contains some information that, well, in the first place, the name Numbers. The book of Numbers, what does that mean? It's given its name from two senses that are taken of the people of Israel, two times that the people are counted. 
in my view, it's a wonderful book to read for New Year's because New Year's, it's a time for reevaluation. It's a time for counting. It's a time for getting an appraisal of where we are in life, what we've accomplished, what we want to accomplish still. What do I need to do this year that would bring me more and more toward my life goals? It's a time of introspection. We do our New Year's resolutions. And the book of Numbers is essentially is that kind of book. It's about counting the cost of discipleship, what we need to do to accomplish our goals spiritually. We'll get into it more in just a moment. Right now, though, let's go to our Wisdom and Worship segment on The Bible Life, Psalm 30. I will praise you, Lord, for you have rescued me. You refuse to let my enemies triumph over me. O Lord, my God, I cried out to you for help, and you restored my health. You brought me up from the grave, O Lord. You kept me from falling into the pit of death. Sing to the Lord, all you godly ones. Praise his holy name. His anger lasts for a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may go on all night, but joy comes with the morning. When I was prosperous, I said, nothing can stop me now. Your favor, O Lord, made me as secure as a mountain. Then you turned away from me, and I was shattered. I cried out to you, O Lord. I begged the Lord for mercy, saying, What will you gain if I die, if I sink down into the grave? Can my dust praise you from the grave? Can it tell the world of your faithfulness? Hear me, Lord, and have mercy on me. Help me, O Lord. You have turned my mourning into joyful dancing. You have taken away my clothes of mourning and clothed me with joy, that I might sing praises to you and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give you thanks forever. End of reading, Psalm 30. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. already read our wisdom and worship segment from the Psalms and the Proverbs, and now we come to our narrative read, which is right now from the book of Numbers. We're reading through the entire Bible. We start in the Old Testament with the book of Genesis, and we read Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and then we cut over to the New Testament, read the first book of the New Testament, which is Matthew. Now we have come back after reading Matthew, we just finished up over the Christmas holidays, to pick up at the book of Numbers and Deuteronomy. That way we move progressively straight through both the Old and New Testaments of the Bible. We alternate back and forth between them, and it makes for a wonderful understanding of the Scriptures. They are a whole. There are 66 books, 39 in the Old Testament, 27 books in the New Testament. That's why we spend a little bit more time, of course, in the Old. But the two books are one, in the sense that there is one God, one consistent, harmonious message from beginning to end. The Creator made the human race with a purpose, that is, to call a people out for Himself. I will be their God. They will be my people. And he's calling out from every nation, every tribe, every tongue, men, women, boys and girls, smart, simple, rich, poor, from every background, calling them on the basis of who desires the Lord. Who is it that is truly with all their hearts seeking God? The Spirit of God calling us to himself. And he has made a provision for the redeemed, the people of God, to come into that relationship with him. He has atoned for our sins through the life of the Messiah. By his Spirit, he calls us and receives men and women to himself as we express faith and trust. As we respond to what God reveals to us of himself, God applies the finished work of Messiah. 
There is no other salvation except in the work of that one who came and atoned for our sins and then conquered death, hell, and the grave on our behalf. And because of what God has done in the Messiah, when we place our faith and trust in him, we too are reborn. We too become a part of that new race, the race of the redeemed. Well, we're going to go down to the book of Numbers. Remember, the people of Israel are still camped at the base of Mount Sinai. They are receiving instructions from Moses about how to live and how to apply the Ten Commandments to their lives. This is nation building at its best. They are getting the core principles of their nation is the relationship to God, the worship of God. They're learning about worship, and now they will be numbering themselves to prepare to go into the promised land. Numbers 6, 1 through 789, Numbers 6. Then the Lord said to Moses, Speak to the people of Israel and give them these instructions. If some of the people, either men or women, take the special vow of a Nazarite, setting themselves apart to the Lord in a special way, they must give up wine and other alcoholic drinks. They must not use vinegar made from wine. They must not drink other fermented drinks or fresh grape juice. And they must not eat grapes or raisins. As long as they are bound by their Nazarite vow, they are not allowed to eat or drink anything that comes from a grapevine, not even the grape seeds or skins. They must never cut their hair throughout the time of their vow, for they are holy and set apart to the Lord. That is why they must let their hair grow long, and they may not go near a dead body during the entire period of their vow to the Lord, even if their own father, mother, brother, or sister has died. They must not defile the hair on their head, because it is the symbol of their separation to God. This applies as long as they are set apart to the Lord. If their hair is defiled because someone suddenly falls dead beside them, they must wait for seven days and then shave their heads. Then they will be cleansed from their defilement. On the eighth day they must bring two turtle doves or two young pigeons to the priest at the entrance of the tabernacle. The priest will offer one of the birds for a sin offering and the other for a burnt offering. In this way he will make atonement for the guilt they incurred from the dead body. Then they must renew their vow that day and let their hair begin to grow again. The days of their vow that were completed before their defilement no longer count. They must rededicate themselves to the Lord for the full term of their vow, and each must bring a one-year-old male lamb for a guilt offering. This is the ritual law of the Nazarites. At the conclusion of their time of separation as Nazarites, they must each go to the entrance of the tabernacle and offer these sacrifices to the Lord, a one-year-old male lamb without defect for a burnt offering, a one-year-old female lamb without defect for a sin offering, a ram without defect for a peace offering, a basket of bread made without yeast, cakes of choice flour mixed with olive oil, and wafers spread with olive oil, along with their prescribed grain offerings and drink offerings. The priest will present these offerings before the Lord, first the sin offering and the burnt offering, then the ram for a peace offering, along with the basket of bread made without yeast. The priest must also make the prescribed grain offering and drink offering. Then the Nazarites will shave their hair at the entrance of the tabernacle and put it on the fire beneath the peace offering sacrifice. After each Nazarite's head has been shaved, the priest will take for each of them the boiled shoulder of the ram, one cake made without yeast, and one wafer made without yeast, and put them all into the Nazarite's hands. The priest will then lift the gifts up before the Lord in a gesture of offering. These are holy portions for the priest, along with the breast and thigh pieces that were lifted up before the Lord. After this ceremony, the Nazarites may again drink wine. This is the ritual law of the Nazarites. If any Nazarites have vowed to give the Lord anything else beyond what is required by their normal Nazarite vow, they must fulfill their special vow exactly as they have promised. Then the Lord said to Moses, Instruct Aaron and his sons to bless the people of Israel with this special blessing. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. 
May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. This is how Aaron and his sons will designate the Israelites as my people, and I myself will bless them. You're listening to the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Number 7. On the day Moses set up the tabernacle, he anointed it and set it apart as holy, along with all its furnishings and the altar with its utensils. Then the leaders of Israel, the tribal leaders who had organized the census, came and brought their offerings. Together they brought six carts and twelve oxen. There was a cart for every two leaders and an ox for each leader. They presented these to the Lord in front of the tabernacle. Then the Lord said to Moses, Receive their gifts and use these oxen and carts for the work of the tabernacle. Distribute them among the Levites according to the work they have to do. So Moses presented the carts and oxen to the Levites. He gave two carts and four oxen to the Gershonite division for their work, and four carts and eight oxen to the Merorite division for their work. All their work was done under the leadership of Ithamar, son of Aaron, the priest. But he gave none of the carts or oxen to the Kohathite division, since they were required to carry the sacred objects of the tabernacle on their shoulders. The leaders also presented dedication gifts for the altar at the time it was anointed. They each placed their gifts before the altar. The Lord said to Moses, Let each leader bring his gift on a different day for the dedication of the altar. On the first day, Nashon, son of Aminadab, leader of the tribe of Judah, presented his offering. The offering consisted of a silver platter weighing about three and a quarter pounds and a silver basin of about one and three-fourths pounds. These were both filled with grain offerings of choice flour mixed with olive oil. He also brought a gold container weighing about four ounces, which was filled with incense. He brought a young bull, a ram, and a one-year-old male lamb as a burnt offering, a male goat for a sin offering, and two oxen, five rams, five male goats, and five one-year-old male lambs for a peace offering. This was the offering brought by Nashon, son of Aminadab. On the second day, Nathanel, son of Zuar, leader of the tribe of Issachar, presented his offering. The offering consisted of a silver platter weighing about three and one-fourth pounds and a silver basin of about one and three-fourths pounds. These were both filled with grain offerings of choice flour mixed with olive oil. He also brought a gold container weighing about four ounces, which was filled with incense. He brought a young bull, a ram, and a one-year-old male lamb as a burnt offering a male goat for a sin offering, and two oxen, five rams, five male goats, and five one-year-old male lambs for a peace offering. This was the offering brought by Nethanel, son of Zuar. On the third day, Eliab, son of Helon, leader of the tribe of Zebulun, presented his offering. The offering consisted of a silver platter weighing about three and one-fourth pounds and a silver basin of about one and three-fourth pounds. These were both filled with grain offerings of choice flour mixed with olive oil. He also brought a gold container weighing about four ounces, which was filled with incense. He brought a young bull, a ram, and a one-year-old male lamb as a burnt offering, a male goat for a sin offering, and two oxen, five rams, five male goats, and five one-year-old male lambs for a peace offering. This was the offering brought by Eliab, son of Helon. On the fourth day, Elizur, son of Shedur, leader of the tribe of Reuben, presented his offering. The offering consisted of a silver platter weighing about three and a fourth pounds and a silver basin of about one and three-fourths pounds. These were both filled with grain offerings of choice flour mixed with olive oil. He also brought a gold container weighing about four ounces, which was filled with incense. He brought a young bull, a ram, a one-year-old male lamb as a burnt offering, a male goat for a sin offering, and two oxen, five rams, five male goats, and five one-year-old male lambs for a peace offering. This was the offering brought by Elizur, son of Shadur. On the fifth day, Shelomiel, son of Jerishadai, leader of the tribe of Simeon, presented his offering. The offering consisted of a silver platter weighing about three and a fourth pounds and a silver basin of about one and three quarter pounds. 
These were both filled with grain offerings of choice flour mixed with olive oil. He also brought a gold container, weighing about four ounces, which was filled with incense. He brought a young bull, a ram, and a one-year-old male lamb as a burnt offering, a male goat for a sin offering, and two oxen, five rams, five male goats, and five one-year-old male lambs for a peace offering. This was the offering brought by Shelemiel, son of Jerishadai. On the sixth day, Elisaph, son of Duel, leader of the tribe of Gad, presented his offering. The offering consisted of a silver platter weighing about three and a quarter pounds and a silver basin of about one and three quarter pounds. These were both filled with grain offerings of choice flour mixed with olive oil. He also brought a gold container weighing about four ounces, which was filled with incense. He brought a young bull, a ram, and a one-year-old male lamb as a burnt offering, a male goat for a sin offering, and two oxen, five rams, five male goats, and five one-year-old male lambs for a peace offering. This was the offering brought by Elisaph, son of Duel. On the seventh day, Elishama, son of Amihud, leader of the tribe of Ephraim, presented his offering. The offering consisted of a silver platter weighing about three and a quarter pounds and a silver basin of about one and three quarter pounds. These were both filled with grain offerings of choice flour mixed with olive oil. He also brought a gold container weighing about four ounces, which was filled with incense. He brought a young bull, a ram, and a one-year-old male lamb as a burnt offering, a male goat for a sin offering, and two oxen, five rams, five male goats, and five one-year-old male lambs for a peace offering. This was the offering brought by Elishama, son of Amihut. You're listening to the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. On the eighth day, Gamaliel, son of Pedajur, leader of the tribe of Manasseh, presented his offering. The offering consisted of a silver platter weighing about three and a quarter pounds and a silver basin of about one and three quarter pounds. These were both filled with grain offerings of choice flour mixed with olive oil. He also brought a gold container weighing about four ounces, which was filled with incense. He brought a young bull, a ram, and a one-year-old male lamb as a burnt offering, a male goat for a sin offering, and two oxen, five rams, five male goats, and five one-year-old male lambs for a peace offering. This was the offering brought by Gamaliel, son of Pedajur. On the ninth day, Abidan, son of Gideoni, leader of the tribe of Benjamin, presented his offering. The offering consisted of a silver platter weighing about three and one-fourth pounds and a silver basin of about one and three-fourth pounds. These were both filled with grain offerings of choice flour mixed with olive oil. He also brought a gold container weighing about four ounces, which was filled with incense. He brought a young bull, a ram, and a one-year-old male lamb as a burnt offering, a male goat for a sin offering, and two oxen, five rams, five male goats, and five one-year-old male lambs for a peace offering. This was the offering brought by Abidan, son of Gideoni. On the tenth day, Ayazer, son of Amishadai, leader of the tribe of Dan, presented his offering. The offering consisted of a silver platter weighing about three and a quarter pounds and a silver basin of about one and three quarter pounds. These were both filled with grain offerings of choice flour mixed with olive oil. He also brought a gold container weighing about four ounces, which was filled with incense. He brought a young bull, a ram, and a one-year-old male lamb as a burnt offering, a male goat for a sin offering, and two oxen, five rams, five male goats, and five one-year-old male lambs for a peace offering. This was the offering brought by Ayazer, son of Amishadai. On the eleventh day, Pagiel, son of Okran, leader of the tribe of Asher, presented his offering. The offering consisted of a silver platter weighing about three and a quarter pounds and a silver basin of about one and three quarter pounds. These were both filled with grain offerings of choice flour mixed with olive oil. He also brought a gold container weighing about four ounces, which was filled with incense. He brought a young bull, a ram, and a one-year-old male lamb as a burnt offering, a male goat for a sin offering, and two oxen, five rams, five male goats, and five one-year-old male lambs for a peace offering. This was the offering brought by Pagiel, son of Okran. On the twelfth day, Ahira, son of Enan, leader of the tribe of Naphtali, presented his offering. 
The offering consisted of a silver platter weighing about three and a quarter pounds and a silver basin of about one and three quarter pounds. These were both filled with grain offerings of choice flour mixed with olive oil. He also brought a gold container weighing about four ounces, which was filled with incense. He brought a young bull, a ram, and a one-year-old male lamb as a burnt offering, a male goat for a sin offering, and two oxen, five rams, five male goats, and five one-year-old male lambs for a peace offering. This was the offering brought by Ahira, son of Anan. So this was the dedication offering for the altar, brought by the leaders of Israel at the time it was anointed. Twelve silver platters, twelve silver basins, and twelve gold incense containers. In all, the silver objects weighed about sixty pounds, about three and a quarter pounds for each platter, and one and three quarter pounds for each basin. The weight of the donated gold came to about three pounds, about four ounces for each of the gold containers that were filled with incense. Twelve bulls, twelve rams, and twelve one-year-old male lambs were donated for the burnt offerings, along with their prescribed grain offerings. Twelve male goats were brought for the sin offerings. Twenty-four young bulls, sixty rams, sixty male goats, and sixty one-year-old male lambs were donated for the peace offerings. This was the dedication offering for the altar after it was anointed. Whenever Moses went into the tabernacle to speak with the Lord, he heard the voice speaking to him from between the two cherubim above the ark's cover, the place of atonement, that rests on the ark of the covenant. The Lord spoke to him from there. End of reading, Numbers 6, 1 through 789. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. I could sing of your <laughs> Welcome back, everyone. This is The Bible Live, your chance to hear each and every weeknight a 15 to 20 minute reading from the scriptures, the entire Bible every year. I'll add some of its historical context, some points of interest that will help your enjoyment and your understanding of the passage. More than anything else, each of us are working not only to hear it and understand it, but to obey it, to apply it to our lives. As we begin the book of Numbers, the Israelites had been camped near Mount Sinai now for more than a year in the shadow of the mountain of God, as it is called. They had received the Ten Commandments and then the expansion on those Ten Commandments into all the different areas of life. We find out here from this first census that there's 603,000 fighting men. These are men 20 years old and over not counting the Levites or the women or children, those 19 and under. So the population must have been over 2 million people altogether. Not all Israelites, some had come from other people groups who had joined Israel. Many, I would assume, came because of their worship of the true and living God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Some through other relationships, I assume. As I said before also, this is nation building. These people have been living in Egypt, actually a worker class. They have maintained some order, some identity as a people group, and yet they were reduced to serving as slaves to the people of Egypt. Egypt was a building culture. They built the pyramids. They built great palaces. And the Israelites were used as a working class. So they did not have full political, military, or social structures. 
They did not have traditions of their own and festivals and so on. And now in the shadow of Mount Sinai, not only are they numbered and they find out who they are, but they've also spent this year learning about their identity as a people. At the core of all of that is their covenant relationship with God. The fact that the true and living God, the Creator, had revealed himself to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, their forefathers, and had made a promise to protect them and bless them if they would follow him, obey him, trust him, and allow themselves to be used as a light to all the other nations. And then, of course, the other part of that covenant or promise is that he would bring the Messiah through them. They would be the lineage through which the Redeemer would come into the world. They organized, as I said, according to tribes. It was an effective way to manage a large group like this. It made dividing the promised land easier. It was part of their culture and heritage. People were known at that time, not by their last name, but by their family, clan, and tribe affiliations. It was easier to keep detailed genealogies. They were God's chosen people for this earthly covenant that had a heavenly or eternal objective. And as we come to the idea of a census, remember that this is one thing they were told to do only when God ordains, when God tells them to do so. They were not to get overly dependent on their force of numbers and how many people they had and how many soldiers they had. Their trust was always ultimately to be in God. Something else that's mentioned here in chapter 6 as we open tonight was the Nazarite vow. The Nazarite vow were for those people not in the priesthood, but they wanted to serve God in some special way. So they took this vow to serve the Lord. They did not drink, cut their hair. They did not touch dead bodies. They could do it for a month or they could do it for a lifetime, actually. Fairly simple reading, setting up this tabernacle, this very small worship center, very ornate, first class, but very small that would provide the spiritual core of the nation. And you see, everyone participated. Everyone gave different offerings of dedication. This belonged to the people as a whole, to the entire nation. And uh, another sweet part of the reading tonight is the Aaronic Priestly Blessing. You hear that sometimes in churches. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show His favor and give you His peace. Asking for blessing and protection, asking for God to be pleased with our lives, to be gracious and merciful, to show us His favor. It's a prayer we can pray for anyone today. The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Soapy reads from the New Living Translation by Kindle House Publishers. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping promote spiritual revival across America, and your prayers and financial support are needed. Please mail your tax-deductible gift to the Bible Live Post Office Box 18888. That's the Bible Live P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. You may also make credit card donations at the ministry website, thebiblelive.com. Now don't forget, join us each weekday for the Bible Live with Soapy Dollars. Start today, and in one year's time, we will read and respond together to the entire Bible. Let the most important word you hear each day be God's word. 